Well, welcome back to another episode of Bite-Sized Virtue. Uh, this is for the Easter season, or rather, I guess now we're in the Lenten season. If you follow any particular liturgical calendar of a generally Christian bent, we're in the Lenten season, uh, leading up to Easter, but we haven't, of course, reached that point yet. And I'm actually... Um, well, I mean, because it's, you know, Lent, and, you know, uh, as we move past Easter and into the Easter season... Uh, I've launched another round of bite-sized virtue episodes, but for this series, uh, I'm going to be going in a little bit different direction. So if you were listening uh, over Advent and Christmas, you'll recall that we took uh, a bit of a look at the virtue of justice and sort of, you know, compared compared the, uh, the virtue as it's expressed in Ultima to its real-world uh, equivalent, because justice is, you know, considered a, a very high philosophical virtue in our world at least in Western philosophy. But for Lent, at least, and probably past Lent and into Easter, um, want to, at least some of the bite-sized virtue episodes are, are going to be a little bit different. Um, because one of the things is they're not going to be solo efforts. I'm actually going to be inviting a few different people in, uh, as you'll hear tonight, in fact, or today, whenever you're listening to this. So, I am joined tonight by uh, a dear old friend of mine. We've known each other for uh, many, many years. His name is Paul. Hi, Paul. Hi. And as as far as people that I correspond with, even semi-regularly, there's not too many people whose uh, philosophical mind I, I tend to trust as much as Paul's. And I hope I don't flatter you too much there, good sir, but... You know, it's true. I mean, I know you immerse yourself in a lot of philosophy, and I genuinely do respect the insights you've offered over the years. Thank you very much. I appreciate your um, Facebook posts as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, someone does. That's one. <laughs> that's one, as yeah. Han Solo might say. All right. So, I, okay. So, as I've mentioned before on a lot of different podcast episodes. I listen to a lot of podcasts. They have largely replaced music as um, my listen of choice when I'm driving to and from work. Uh, I Just because, I mean, especially I got to leave really early in the morning and the regular rhythms and beats of music are almost too lulling. I need something that's a lot more um, random in, in terms of the sound uh, and, you know, people talking about random subjects is pretty much perfect for that. So one of the podcasts I listen to is called Three Dogs North. And it's actually, it's a Catholic podcast. It's by two seminarians and a priest all um, at Mundelein Seminary. And I'm going to play just a little segment of one of the recent episodes, or actually not so recent. This was uh, November 4th, 2015. Um, the episode was called Harvest Moon, but they were talking about Facebook. They were talking about, uh, well, let's just have a little listen. So this guy had this idea. He just moved into the, into the city and he posted like on telephone poles throughout the neighborhood, um, like the address of a Facebook group with a password. And so the only people that knew about the group or the password were people in that neighborhood who actually lived there. And 
you know, it started small, but then people started joining and um, it would be like a way for like a communication forum for people in the neighborhood who didn't necessarily know each other, you know, who lived mostly behind closed doors or if they saw each other, they'd give a courteous smile, but nobody knew each other's names and all this stuff. So they started having social events through this Facebook group. And then now like, um, you know, elderly people will post on there like I need help moving this thing and you know, people will just be like, I'll be there in a sec, you know, I'm, I'm just coming back from the store and they're in there, you know, from that same apartment building. And, um, and the way that people were describing it, it was like, they just felt more human because they were connected to the people around them, you know, and the technology had helped them like cross the threshold of whatever fear or awkwardness there would be from just knocking on your neighbor's door who you never met. Um, and everybody said, you know, there's just a trust now, like, uh, and people, it brings out people's generosity and stuff, knowing that they have stuff that their neighbors need. And, and that's another thing that kind of, um, gets me about these books about the old days is like, it was so much simpler then. It was just, it was like, if I have something, then it's the old, like, knock on the door and ask for some flour, you know? We're just not that connected anymore that people go do that because, um, you know, we're running out and they have extra or, or whatever. And we know that they're going to get us next time um, we need something or, or whatever. So anyways, like it just gets me thinking about the whole means to an end thing, because so much of Facebook and the Internet, particularly social media, is about getting you to use social media like Facebook stock rises and falls with how long people spend on Facebook and how many times they click through or click to ads. And here this guy in Italy was smart enough to use the technology to actually connect people, you know? And that's why I got, I was so pumped about it. Cause it's like, yes, the technology is, is morally indifferent, but, um, if it exists primarily to just keep people staring at computers, I am against it. But if it can make communities into you know, more tight-knit human communities than booyah. That message kind of really resonated with me because I can really, I found at least that, you know, uh, having been immersed in the Ultima fan community, um, the whole idea that, you know, technology itself, any particular technology, he used the example of Facebook, but this would also be true of computer games. The technology itself is morally indifferent. I mean, it's just technology. It's ones and zeros. It's code. It's, uh, it doesn't really have, uh, you know, it, it, there's no intent there. So it can't do right or do wrong. It's just what it is. And to the degree that it exists to keep people you know, in front of their console or in front of their mouse and keyboard to the neglect of everything around them, it's a problem. You know, there, there, there's a problem there. But on the other hand, to the degree that it can be a means for um, community to emerge, for relationships to be fostered, it can actually be a really good thing. Um, and, you know, any Ultima fans listening to this, you probably know that I'm about to segue into talking about the Ultima Dragons, because I am. If you think about it, there's really no reason for the Ultima Dragons to continue to exist, because apart from Ultima Online, which 
granted is the grandfather of MMOs, is, you know, hugely influential, pivotal, really, in terms of, you know, uh, the MMO market. 17 years on, it doesn't exactly have, you know, the biggest subscriber base. I would be surprised to hear that it was north of 100,000 people. Compare that to however many million are subscribed to WoW. Or, you know, some of the uh, some of the Eastern MMOs that haven't quite jumped over here yet. And so, I mean, like, that one thing, that one MMO that started it all but is now very small is really all that's left of Ultima. Um, the series hasn't had, the mainline single-player series hasn't had a new entry since... 1999 there was the short-lived ultima forever that was on mobile for a little while but uh obviously petered out and died and you know even the series creator richard garriott is he's doing something that is intended as a spiritual sequel in shroud of the avatar but he's not working with the ultima property anymore so you know really 1999 we're at what uh math 16 years roughly uh 17 maybe only 15 15 15. (laughs) i can math it's about 15 years um since any new ultima game has been published why do we as the ultima fan community the ultima dragons why do we continue to exist And yet we do. We're one of the longest running fan clubs. We've got our 25th anniversary coming up in uh, next February, actually. So really, I think, you know, in part, that's a testament to the power of a particular piece of technology. In this case, you know, um, a particular series of CRPGs to give people something in common and around that thing that they hold in common form a community. I mean, certainly there's nothing else that would hold us together. Politically, the dragons are all across the spectrum. Um, you know, where we are socially, religiously, there's no real other common factors that could conceivably, uh, you know, be used as a binding agent that, you know, to hold the dragons together. No, we're there because we were all fans of this series. It all impacted us growing up. And we kind of like being around other people who had that same profound experience of it. And now just like being alternatingly silly and somber, uh, I guess would be a word, about it and about subjects related to it. So... Um, I mean, it's, it's honestly surprised me at how active the Ultima Dragons Facebook group continues to be. Uh, we've got a couple of other communications channels that we're templating, you know, trying out, opening up. And it's always something interesting. And it's usually, I mean, it's not that we don't have fights. It's not that there aren't, you know, messy flame wars in dragon threads as well, but a lot of the times it's also very mutually supportive and there's a lot of really cool stuff that happens. People just being great to other people um, because they're people. So I wonder, Ken, and this is just kind of just kind of came to me is um, you mentioned the, the diversity of the ultimate fan community. And but, but it's, you know, based on the, the love of the actual games is 
Is the love of Ultima used as a signaling device in any way? Is what, sorry? Is it used as a signaling device? Well, kinda. But at the same time, not as much as you might think. I mean, you know, most of us can't even agree on which of the Ultimas is our favorite. I'm... <laughs> I mean, take me. I'm the contrarian of the group. I really like Ultima 9. And actually, I mean, I think a lot of people actually do like Ultima 9. But there's a lot of people who will very vocally say they don't or don't particularly care for it. Um, and I mean, it's always probably easier to find a negative opinion on the internet than it is to find a positive opinion. But I mean, if you're trying to get into the Ultima Dragons and you don't know much about Ultima, you're probably not going to get it and you're probably not going to stick with it because a lot, I mean, a lot of, you know, what we talk about circles around the games, definitely. Um, but in terms of, you know, signaling, eh, I don't think as much, no. I mean, it's kind of more like, it's a bit of a prerequisite. You know, you have to at least be somewhat familiar with an Ultima. Yeah. Uh, even it, and you know, that's interesting too, because there's a lot of people, for example, who are, uh, and I'm among this group, there's people who are, you know, huge fans of the single player side of the series who have next to no clue about how Ultima Online works or what the appeal of it is, and vice versa. There's a lot of people who came to Ultima and are huge fans of the idea of Ultima based on their experiences in Ultima Online and who really don't have much of a clue about the single player series. So... Mm-hmm. um it's more just, you know, as long as you know, as long as you have like one of the games of the series that you have played and enjoyed and found value in, that's kind of a prerequisite, I guess, for being a member of the Dragons, because yeah, you're not really going to get it otherwise, not yeah. 100% of the time. <clears throat> but in terms of signaling, no, not so much. I'm just, I'm just thinking about like, I wonder what the, the if there's a, you know, obviously we don't necessarily have this, but like the demographics of the fan fan base, like is it like ninety percent white, middle class, like thirty thirty to thirty five year olds, or? Well, you know, I don't have a lot of that data um, yeah, because I, I mean, I, I don't even know be... if it's collected. I can, <laughs> and I, you know, I looked this up in a previous episode, so let me see if I can quickly pull it out of the show notes. Um, I did manage to pull some analytics off of Facebook. And what episode was that in? That's right. That's in And Art Thou Male or Female. That's over here. So I did manage to pull some analytics off of Facebook. So I can at least tell you that um, in terms of the number of likes that the Facebook page for the Ultima series has received. Um, 87% of those came from male profiles and 13% came from female profiles. Oops, yeah, it's self-selecting. I guess, a little bit. I mean, there's a comment I could make there. Um, but that being said, I mean, there's many female members of the group who are actually quite particularly active in it. Uh, you know, very 
influential and well-respected members of the group. So even if the demographics aren't perfect 50-50, um, <clears throat> the overall temperament of the dragons is really uh, very blind to those differences. And I suppose that a lot of the differences are accounted for by the fact that, you know, Ultima came about in, well, Acalabeth was, you know, the late 70s, the Ultima series really came to the fore in the 80s. And this was a time when, you know, um, CRPGs, the CRPG audience really was, yes, more predominantly male um, and more predominantly geeky. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we've definitely, uh, in well, terms cause... of who's an RPG fan today, um, it's very different, right? Yeah. So. And uh, it's a bigger too yeah and from that i suppose we could probably extrapolate that it does generally mean an older demographic you know because i mean you got people who've played the games who like bought ultima one when it came out in you know or ultima four when it came out right yeah so they were at least old enough in 1980 or 1984 to go to a store and buy a game with their own money um <clears throat> versus well, me i was like two in 1984 yeah so well i'm thinking too is that um i think some of the bigger like the later ultimates came out in the 90s right and so that's uh, well when, the last one was 99 99 yeah so i'm thinking like like that's sort of like when we kind of came of age starting playing video games as well like our demographic yeah. um well six ultima six was my first adult video game i mean there were some kid focused video games before it but yeah I'm well. I'm also thinking too, is because at the time, to even be able to run Ultima, you had to have a home computer, which yep. were pretty rare back in the eighties. Not as I, common, I, yeah. Yeah, like I, I remember when um, I would go to my friend's house and we'd play like uh, Police Quest One and um, like the original, I think, BattleTech game for the PC. Yep. And it was. I'm saying this is so amazing. And we didn't have a computer at home. We had a Nintendo, um, or we might have, might have even had Super Nintendo at the time. But um, yeah, so it was it was also like that's why I'm thinking like the socioeconomic background of, of people because there's I don't know how big the the ultimate community, and this is an issue with I think all technology that have. Um, uh, best buy dates or whatever where um you're not i'm not sure how many new fans are coming into the franchise and how much nostalgia plays a part in in ultima's fandom well you know it's been interesting because i mean since you could arguably say that until 2012 2013 um, you know, the fan base had really plateaued and had even probably started to, um, diminish a little bit as people moved away from it. Because again, you know, 2013, 1999, I mean, you're talking over a decade since, uh, there's been any new real developments in Ultima in general, apart from at the time, what were just small little, uh, content pushes in Ultima Online, which again, not every Ultima Dragon considered themselves a fan of. Yeah. So, yeah, there was a decline that I think had started to happen. I mean, certainly I felt 
that this was a thing that was happening. But at the same time, starting in about, yeah, 2012, 2013, first with Ultima Forever, and then with the uh, emergence of Shroud of the Avatar, all of a sudden, there's kind of been a resurgence. And I mean, a lot of the community that's built up around Shroud of the Avatar is composed of people who, you know, knew the Ultima games. So it's a bit of an older demographic, but there are a lot of younger people that are on board as well who are then looping back and starting to uh, explore some of the earlier Ultima yeah. games. Uh, I mean, a fairly common question that comes up on the Shroud of the Avatar forums is, okay, which Ultima should I start with? Or, hey, you know, should I play this Ultima game? Um, and we've seen more members joining the Ultima Dragons Facebook group. I've even seen new names appearing on the Ultima Dragons roster at udic.org because there is actually a master roster that's kept there behind uh, a password wall. So okay. it's uh, it's interesting because, um, you know, the group is kind of enjoying a bit of a pocket renaissance, if you will. Oh, that's, that's, that's good, though. I mean, especially for something that you love. Like, it's always, you know, I'm not, not a hipster. So, therefore, I like when stuff becomes mainstream. I like, in a lot of ways, that um, what like shows like the Big Bang Theory have done for nerds and geekdom. I'm going to cut it off there for now. Uh, thank you for listening because uh, there's a lot more, I think, that... Uh, well, there is a lot more that Paul and I discussed, but I don't want to necessarily uh, break it all out into a single episode because we talked for a good two hours. And so... Uh, more commentary from Paul about actually a variety of subjects and, you know, me, of course, in dialogue with him. Um, that'll play out over the rest of the Easter season, or the rest of the Lenten season. Keep saying that, geez. Uh, and then, of course, into the Easter season. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. And I apologize, you know, for those of you who were looking forward to this, um, that I'm actually a week late in getting this online. Life just, you know, got kind of busy right at the start of uh of lent you know around ash wednesday valentine's day all that stuff so thank you thank you again for listening and until next time be virtuous <laughs>